0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is one hot Australian summer, so it is now time to crack a cold one with the boys from A Good Drop.
1: That's right, and today those cold ones will be craft beer. Craft beer. Because this is the craft beer episode. So uh, I'm Michael.
0: And I'm Stuart. And it's time for A Good Drop. Cheers. Cheers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the sound you just heard was us cracking a James Squire swindler. Today, unfortunately, is neither our good drop nor our top drop, but this is one of my favourite beers to drink during the summer, so I bought a case.
1: And it is an ale, and uh, pale ales are very popular.
0: Very, very popular. Probably the most popular drink, craft beer drink, in Australia.
1: Yes, in fact, uh, according... To a um, a recent survey done by the es- beer cartel group in Australia, beer
0: cartel. Group.
1: <laughs> that's that's what they're called. Australia's beer cartel. It sounds the... like a
0: like a, a mafia esque mm. thing. Like it, it, we should be uh, podcasting about the hitman or something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it's all they're all about craft beer. These guys and they do a survey every year on on craft beer. And according to their 2017 survey, the most consumed style of craft beer in Australia is pale ale. Now, that, that's followed by IPA and double IPA, and then amber ale. Now, I, I'm a fan of all three of those, so that, that I'm a fan works of all for four. me.
0: Oh, less so IPAs, but yeah, they're all good. The double IPAs, IPAs, the pale ales.
1: Yeah. But um, interestingly, though. The survey participants were also asked what their favourite styles were. Oh yeah, this is funny. And yeah, the the top three favourites were IPA and double IPA in first, pale ale in second, and the third favourite was stout and imperial stout.
0: Which makes no sense. Well, I suppose it does a little bit, because people might say chocolate is their favourite food, but they don't drink or eat chocolate that much.
1: Yeah, like, I'll admit, I love a good dark stout, but I won't drink it as often mm. as something else, because there's, there's a time and place for drinking a stout. You're not going to drink it all the time.
0: Yeah, oh, sure is. Like, it's, yeah, a full-bodied drink, so in the heat of summer, it's... It can be a bit too much
1: Yeah Because uh, a a good Heavy stout You basically need a knife and fork To drink it <laughs> And you don't necessarily Want to drink yeah. that on a hot day
0: Yeah The uh, the old saying about Guinness Is it's liquid bread
1: Yeah Because it, it's not quite as refreshing As a pale or amber ale mm.
0: But it does cool you down Just the same It does
1: It does indeed Yeah and uh, since we're talking about the results of that survey, let's uh, let's dig right into those because that was quite uh, quite an interesting outcome there. Now, to those of mm. you who aren't in Australia, we apologise. Come that, to Australia, drink our beer. This is Australian specific. <laughs> this survey, but as a percentage of the global population, some of this may still apply. Hmm. So
0: probably less so in uh, eastern countries and. Uh, Africa and the Middle East, I would say beer is less a thing there because of the the dominant religion.
1: Yes, but p- potentially, because we're talking craft beers hmm. specifically, good point, it, it may still apply to the craft beer drinking group. And certainly in, in Western countries like you know, the UK and America, hmm. it, it should be applicable to some extent. Now, uh, apparently, 64% of Australians want to know who owns the company that made their beer. Yeah. at least 64% of craft beer drinking Australians.
0: I'd like to know who who actually produces James Squire.
1: Yeah, I mean we've we've discovered that <laughs> uh, they're part of the Lion Group which um,
0: it it's a group not a big overarching company like yes. a distributor.
1: Yeah, they're they're like a distributor, like a producer of a film or a or a music CD. A publisher. Yeah, a publisher exactly. Yeah. And they they are Huge. They've yeah also include Forex and Heineken and Little Creatures
0: and Guinness and Kilkenny. They, yeah. it's amazing how much they uh, manage.
1: Yeah, they they manage a, a huge amount.
0: I know. Ne- I never thought of uh, brewer- breweries needing a manager. It was not hmm. something. I'd Yeah, not but, something. Yeah, I'd I, I imagine considered. though,
1: if if you want wide distribution. Mm. Then you need someone who has those connections, and if they 're already distributing so many yeah. why wouldn 't you say, "Hey, distribute me as well
0: yeah well, i it, it makes perfect sense I just hadn 't considered it
1: yeah, and um so to because we we digressed somewhat there uh, apparently oh, only no, still related. Mm, only twenty three percent of of people said they were happy to buy a craft beer from a large multinational company mm. while um said that they were happy to drink a beer from a small independent brewery.
0: Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense, because the idea of a craft beer is to be small, independent, and traditionally brewed. Or traditional uh, or innovative in their brewing practices. I mean, it's the the idea of craft brewing came out of microbreweries after the prohibition from the 1920s to 1933 1933 and uh, it during that period small breweries even some of the big ones just collapsed because they how could they survive when no one, no one was allowed to buy it it was illegal to purchase alcohol and and you know, people they they went overseas. The big ones went overseas. The little ones died. Until and, and they didn't really recover after that time. They up until like the nineteen seventy eight, uh, the breweries were almost like dying. There were less than half of the breweries of the day were microbreweries, and there was less than a hundred. Breweries in total in America.
1: Yeah, and of course, then um, enter Boston Breweries, who
0: yeah kind of resurrected it. The uh, Jim Koch, who created the Boston Brew- Beer Co., and Ken Grossman, fr- who created Sierra Nevada, they're considered the first uh, craft brewers in America and probably the world. Uh, mm. Well, at least certainly America. Well,
1: it's certainly in America, because when, when we come to our top drop, I'll I'll explain to you why they are not the first in the world.
0: Good point. Uh, yeah. So uh, these these two independent men started their uh, started their business as microbreweries, and as they grew and grew, the they. The, both them and others realized that they couldn't really call themselves a microbrewery anymore like the Boston Beer Co is pushing 20% a year in market growth so they're hardly a, a micro sized brewery so they developed a or they they all decided on a new name for what they do which was craft brewing which is the the traditional the small the independent of, of the brewers as opposed to the macro breweries like Carlton and uh, Foster's and uh, Kilkenny, like who are massive multinational companies. Oh yeah,
1: and owned by equally massive multinational companies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, so while we're talking about breweries, let's let's bring it back to Australia and mm. the uh, beer cartel survey because the. Um, the survey asked people what uh, what they considered to be the best local breweries for craft beer and uh, at at number 1 they voted in uh, pirate life which has only been around for a couple of years
0: yeah i've i've seen it a few times and i've thought oh that looks really clever like i live on a boat so you know, let's try something boat themed to keep with the theme. Yeah, um, and uh, I just haven't got around to it yet.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's certainly it's it's definitely on the list now that people have voted them as the number mm. one brewery. Oh, for sure. And uh, after them comes uh, the Feral Brewing Company, and then uh, Bolter Brewing, uh, Stone and Wood, who I'm I'm uh, quite pleased to say I have had their pale ale and it's yeah, very me too. pleasant. Mm. And really um, coming up in fifth place was the Bridge Road Brewers.
0: Yeah. I haven't heard of that one, though.
1: Yeah, no, neither uh, neither have I, but um, they must be okay.
0: Mm, you can probably get it at the Archive.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they uh, they did actually... Uh, th- there was a vote on everyone's favourite craft beer pub, and uh, certainly the, the Archive bar was voted favourite craft beer pub in Queensland. Now in um, in it's, New South Wales, well, the
0: the the archive is in West End in the on the south side of Brisbane of
1: Brisbane, yeah. And the uh, admittedly, they do have a very wide range of craft beers, both huge. in bottle and on tap. Mm.
0: Huge selection. There's oh, yeah. a there's a few little stores in West End that sell uh, a huge selection of uh, small batch beers, as if you will. Yeah.
1: And at, at at any given moment, the archive is just full to the brim with people.
0: Mm. I I never see it empty, except for when it's closed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, half the reason I'm hesitant to go there is because you you can't guarantee finding a table to enjoy your beer. At. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you have to get in early. So, so so um, that's that's Queensland. So, that's so what Queensland. about New South so, Wales? Yeah,
1: New South Wales was a uh, bit a few. Beat. And uh, the Old Canberra Inn took it in the ACT. Um, the local tap house, St. Kilda, was, uh, was voted number one in Victoria. In Tasmania, it went to the St. John Craft Beer Bar. Mm. And the Wenchief Hotel in South Australia was voted most popular there. And then the Dutch Trading Co. in Western Australia was their most popular cool. craft beer bar. Now, interestingly...
0: Do, do check them out if you're in one of those states. Yeah,
1: and um, that there even is a most popular craft beer bar in Western Australia is a, a fantastic thing, because <laughs> on, on an Australian level, according to this survey, only about 3% of people in Australia drinking craft beer are in Western Australia.
0: <laughs> that's about the same amount of the population, though.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. Pop- Population-wise, <laughs> it, uh, it does kind of fit. Because, yeah, um, you said about 83%, 83% of craft beer drinkers in Australia are on the eastern coast. Yeah. And 33% of them are in Victoria.
0: Of course. Victoria being a theatre and culture
1: yeah, city. Yeah, and undoubtedly they're in Melbourne. Mm. Let's, let's be honest, they're yeah. all in
0: Melbourne. Well, yeah. Victoria being a city. It's a state. Mm. Sorry, guys. Sorry, everyone who's listening in Melbourne. You know what I mean. We all love you. It's just that we have nicer weather up here. <laughs> and we
1: believe that Vic- Melbourne is Victoria. Yes, <laughs> there, there just is like else.
0: Queensland is Brisbane. Yeah. The Queensland ends at the Sunshine Coast.
1: Yes, so uh, let's continue on from there very briefly to uh, talk about uh, the interesting thing that came up. Well, what we find interesting in this survey anyway is... Um, People's preferences, well, craft beer drinkers' preferences for bottle or can. Because 46% of people surveyed said they didn't care.
0: And about 25% preferred bottles and 25% preferred cans.
1: Yeah, it it was basically even, and we're flummoxed by by this, because... The, there is no doubt in my mind <laughs> that a can changes the flavour of the beverage you're drinking out of it.
0: So we know, we know which side of the graph you stand on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've ever drunk anything out of a bottle and a can, like mm. uh, a Coke or even a 7-Up, yeah, it tastes different out of a can. It, really it out of
0: It's got a me- more metallic flavour to it. Uh, I, I think that the bottle preserves the original flavour better.
1: Yeah and what what's interesting is that last year in the 2016 survey those numbers were different like the uh, the numbers for people who preferred cans were the same but the neutrals were lower and the bottle preferences were higher
0: Hmm that is very interesting I wonder why that's changed so significantly
1: Yeah I think cuz it was about about a 6% difference the the neutral was 40% and the extra 6% from there was on the bottle mm. preference and we can only assume that that's through new drinkers.
0: Yeah. And I wonder who... I wonder if any of the uh, bottle-preferred pre- people prefer to drink their beer out of growlers, which are like uh, two or three pint-sized bottles.
1: Mm, well, uh, a twirly is always a pleasant way to consume <laughs> uh, a beer. Yeah, the the
0: the... the, the People, the, the original thing was a Tully, which is a a litre-sized
1: bottle, 700ml? Uh, yes, it, it's what Americans would call
0: a 40. Yeah, a 40-ounce bottle. Yeah. Um, but the new thing with the craft, the growing of it's the craft beer... It's 500ml bottles. It's 500ml bottles, and also, if people want bigger sizes, uh, there's growlers, which are small uh, cowboys or... Quite quite bulbous bottles with a tiny little handle on the top, like a teacup-sized handle on the top. Right. It's a really interesting thing because I heard someone talking about how they were uh, they ordered a growler of beer and they were sitting at home drinking it, and I was like, what on earth is a growler? And then, yeah, they showed showed me a picture, and yeah, it's like a, a oversized bottle of beer.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that uh that is interesting. Mm, I, I the... didn't know those existed.
0: Me neither up until about six months ago. <laughs> but the the culture behind craft beer is really quite interesting, like how it's how it's growing in uh growing in popularity along with all the other uh all the other pr- preferences with the uh, small batch Things like small batch whiskey, small batch alcohol, like handmade arts and crafts, uh, that is all growing in popularity along with the craft beer.
1: Yes, though, uh, interestingly enough, though, while arts and crafts and that sort of thing is... um, A lot of the craftier things are more popular with uh, younger age groups, like you're, you're 18 to... 29 sort of age group mm. craft beer is actually more popular with the 30 to 39 age group. No. With 41% of craft beer drinkers being in that bracket <laughs> and uh, only 24% are in the 18 to 29 bracket.
0: Wow. Well, that I'm one of that number. 18 yeah. to 29.
1: And uh, uh, there's another 23%, so basically the same number again in the 40 to 49 bracket. Hmm. And uh, 1% of craft beer drinkers are over the age of 50.
0: <laughs> I feel like once once people get to that age, they don't really care what they're drinking, or they've moved on to something a little more cultured, mm. like whiskey or cognac.
1: Yes, potentially. And uh, as as with standard beer, the the survey showed us that uh, craft beer is more popular among males than, than females. Oh, for uh, sure. 79% of craft beer drinkers are men. And yep. o- only twenty one percent are women, but
0: that's that's about the same ratio as regular beer regular drinkers. Beer. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Yeah, beer tends to be avoided by the feminine population, probably because of the stereotypes and the, and you know, women and the feminine people like to care less about the about what they're drinking.
1: Hmm. Well, and, the, and, the, and those who do drink craft beer, they definitely care about it, and they've been drinking it for a long time, mm. because uh, according, to, uh, according to the uh, survey, only 1% of craft beer drinkers have been drinking craft beers for less than a year, with a whopping 90% having three or more years of drinking craft beer under their belt.
0: That's really interesting. So, that well, that first off explains why there's such a small percentage of 18 to 29-year-olds drinking their craft beer, because if... I mean, an 18-year-old can't drink craft beer for more than three years. Yeah. So that shortens that percentage to, 20, to 21 to 29-year-olds. Hmm. But yeah... Very, very interesting. I wonder but, why th- I wonder why that is.
1: Yeah, you because know, that that does give a, a bracket of nine percent mm. in the um in the two to three year point. Mm. So that that still says that people who drink, people aren't necessarily going out and trying craft beer for yeah. the first time in levels anywhere near as great as those who have drunk it and said, "I really like this. I'm going to keep drinking it." Mm.
0: Perhaps it's because. Well, one of the reasons could be because once they're converted, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> they're converted. Uh, also because they mightn't consider what they're drinking as craft beer. Because if you can find 150 lashes everywhere, which is our good drop, which we will get to in a, in a moment. Uh, if you can find a craft beer everywhere, you you wouldn't think of it as a craft beer. If people have described craft beer to you as small batch stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that's very true, and I mean, yeah, the 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 one fifty lashes, it was actually it was launched in two thousand and eleven, mm. which means it's quite recent. It's only six years old.
0: Yeah, and it's in almost every single pub I've been to so far this year.
1: Yeah, which says um, I suppose it says a lot for the Lion Group as as a distributor mm. that something that's that new can already be so well known. Oh, for sure, because it's everywhere.
0: Hmm. So. Mikkel, tell us about 150 Lashes.
1: Uh, yeah, so it's, um, it's made with four different kinds of hops. Uh, Amarillo, Willem Nelson Saviour, and Galaxy Hops. Galaxy Hops? Galaxy Hops, yeah.
0: That sounds like it'd be a stellar choice.
1: It, it does, it does. Yeah. And apparently it's made with pale Munich and wheat malts. Hmm. and uh, according to their own documentation, it has a refreshing character and fruity nose with hints of passion fruit, grapefruit, and citrus. Now, I, I don't know about that when I've drunk it, but certainly it's fruity and it's refreshing. It's really refreshing. And it definitely ticks all the boxes for refreshing pale ale to drink on a hot day.
0: It sure does. It's probably... If, if you were going to... Scale it on a one to five with enjoyment on one end, like savor and enjoy on one end, and thirst quencher on the other end. I would say it's a, a three and a half to four out of out of five, being the thirst quencher.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'd uh, i put it around there as well, and mm. it's it's availability and it's yeah it's everywhere and the, and the price. I mean, as because for a good drop, it needs to be reasonable. And mm. and certainly for a craft beer... It's reasonable. It's it's reasonable for a craft beer. Mm.
0: I've paid anywhere up to uh, $80 for a case of craft beer. I mean, it was good craft beer, but I don't know whether it was worth that much.
1: Yeah, because um, you can pay 20 or $30 for a six-pack of craft beer.
0: Easy. Easy. I mean, how much even for not a craft beer, which was Sheep Shaggers Gold...
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that that so was back to
0: the first episode.
1: That was up there, but that was an import.
0: It was. It was. Um, um but I wouldn't have called it a craft beer.
1: No, well, and with all of the uh <laughs> with all of the local craft beers, there's not a lot of reason to drink an imported craft beer. Mm. Well, uh, until we come to our uh, our top drop, which is in fact a reason to drink an imported <laughs> craft beer.
0: It's very true because this this beer has been around a long time. The brewery has been around even longer, uh, since 1882. I think you said. Uh,
1: 1856.
0: 1856. It's this brewery has been around producing incredible beers in the microbrewery fashion.
1: Yeah, they've uh, their their whole thing is to make beer in the traditional method, handmade, every time. And uh, we we are talking about the uh, the Hawke Norton Brewery in um, in the Cotswolds of Hawke Norton. Mm,
0: it's actually a town.
1: It's it's a town. It's a place. And uh, it's not a thing, though. No. Oh,
0: it is. A, it, it, I suppose you could call a brewery
1: a thing. Yeah, that that's a thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, it was started when a farm in the Cotswolds was uh, purchased by John Harris in eighteen forty nine, nice. and uh, and he. Began a, a brewery there And the brewery kept growing and expanding As roads came to the town And rail came to the town And they got steam power But they stuck to their traditional ways So much that they didn't Even stop making local beer Deliveries with horse and cart until the 1950s
0: <laughs> That's awesome
1: Which is yeah pretty uh, pretty terrific Yeah Because uh, their vision is making Unique handcrafted beers using their traditional methods and they still have their original brewery which is now heritage listed and they've opened a visitor center there they see 25,000 people through their visitor center every year going on tours and seeing how beer is traditionally made
0: Mm. well being around since the 1850s that'd have to be one of the oldest surviving breweries in the world
1: well, you'd, uh, you'd think so, and that they've managed to stay small and yeah. remain a craft brewer throughout that time is uh, pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it means that they're really passionate about what they're doing versus, the, for example, the Boston Beer Co, where they started a cra- as a craft brewer in the 1970s and they're massive now, competing probably on par with some of the macro breweries like your Fosters, your uh, Guinness, your, you know, the big guys.
1: Yeah. And, um, I mean, Hook Norton Brewery is actually still family-owned mm. after all those years, which I guess is probably in part why they haven't gotten carried away and yeah. expanded to, to that point. They've... They've stuck to their guns and kept uh, kept doing what they do. Sorry. And, um, yeah, that, that leads us to the, the beer that actually is our top drop the that Hook Norton makes, which is the Hook Norton Brewery's Red Rye. Believe and it or not, it's a red beer. It is. It is actually genuinely red in appearance. It is a rye beer, and it won the World's Best Specialty Beer, World's Best Rye Beer, and United Kingdom's Best Rye Beer at the World Beer Awards in 2017. It also won silver at the International Beer Challenge in 2017, won United Kingdom's best rye beer at the World Beer Awards 2016, silver at the International Beer Challenge 2016, as well as winning World's best rye beer and UK's best rye beer at the World Beer Awards in 2015.
0: So it's probably safe to say that this is one of the best beers of the best craft beers in the world.
1: It certainly sounds like it. I mean that's 3 consecutive years that it's taken out some pretty decent awards for being really good in more than one country in as well in more than one country yeah
0: that that's what blows me away so you can't buy uh the red rye here in australia unfortunately but uh you can get yeah, many we, of many others by the same brewing company
1: yes we we discovered that uh well we we were really disappointed to find that yeah. Dan, that Dan Murphy's who you would expect to have a beer that's won as many awards as But it's a craft as beer,
0: like an actual craft
1: beer. It, so it is, an ad, but the, Dan Murphy's do carry a lot of actual craft beers, though.
0: Yeah, but they're even though they're craft beers, they're still quite... Excuse me. They're still quite big companies. Yeah. Like but James they, Squire is still a really big company, mm, even though they produce a craft beer.
1: That That's true, but Dan Murphy's does carry three other beers from...
0: Yes, which is what we were getting at. From
1: Hook Norton. They, uh, they carry Hook Norton's Old Hookie Ale, their um, Haymaker Pale Ale, <laughs> and their 12 Days Dark Ale. Mm. And by all accounts from what we've read in reviews of those beers, they cost a little more because they're an import, but they are well worth the entrance fee.
0: Well worth the effort. Yeah. I'm... I'm keen.
1: Yeah, I I myself am thinking that I'm gonna have to swing by there and uh, grab a, a six pack of the 500 mil 12 days dark ale.
0: Mm. Let me know how it tastes.
1: Yes, because it, it it sounds pretty uh, pretty impressive, and I I do enjoy a dark mm. ale. Though so the pale as well, I might I might just have to buy them all. <laughs> I may have to get them all. But let's uh, let's very quickly revisit the uh, the red eye. The red rye, sorry. The red. <laughs> red eye is something different. <laughs> yeah, the, the red rye. And to talk about it's, um, how, how it's made, because they actually make it with a combination of five different kinds of hops and malts. So we're
0: we're not sponsored by Hook Norton. We're we're we're
1: just really impressed. Yeah. So Hook Norton, if you're listening, you've impressed us. We we are impressed by how you've stuck to your guns over so many years, over
0: 150 years, to
1: still produce
0: amazing beer. Yeah,
1: amazing quality craft beer. And um, colour me impressed.
0: Yeah. Even though we're yet to try it, we might change once we try it. Yes. But it's... If they're still around after hundred and fifty years they've gotta be doing something right yeah
1: exactly exactly right and yeah apparently it smells sweet with dark fruit and uh and uh, hints of citrus and uh tastes of dates raisins and um again citrus
0: hm
1: so it uh, it sounds like a pleasant rye beer now the the only rye beer I've actually had before i'll admit is um The Rabbit and Spaghetti Fox Rye, (laughs) which, funnily enough, is available from Dan Murphy's. It's Mm. from a small producer and uh, can also actually be acquired through uh, Naked Wines, Mm. but only in two packs.
0: Only in two packs. I don't think I've had a rye beer before. I mostly drink uh, pale ales. Yeah. Or amber ales.
1: Mm, admittedly, yeah, I I tend to if I'm if I'm drinking a craft beer, I tend to fall more towards the ale mm. side. Though uh, the archive, I don't know if they still do because I've not been there in a while, but they used to do a Cooper's bucket that contained uh, two pale ales, a sparkling ale, and a dark ale. Hmm. And that was uh, a, a good mix. You know, because I'd, I'd start on a pail, then go to the sparkling, then do another pail to cleanse the palate, then finish on the dark. Because a dark ale is like dessert, really, isn't it?
0: Mmm. Like, like bread in a can. Or bread in a bottle. Bread in a bottle. Uh, so, we've got one more drink to mention, and that is our odd drop. <laughs> it's called The Hoppy Ending by a... Brewing company called pa- Palo Alto.
1: Yeah, so we, we thought we'd give you a hoppy ending to finish this episode.
0: <laughs> they, yeah, it's a brewed in Oregon, America, and it's a a Czech style lager. And it's sounds really interesting to taste. So if if I ever track it down in Australia, I'll I'll be sure to post it on our Facebook
1: as well and certainly i'd i'm surprised that it's it, i'd be surprised if it wasn't available here because lagers and drafts as we mentioned in our first episode mm, are one popular of,
0: one of the most popular styles in australia yeah
1: i mean they're, they're not particularly popular amongst craft beer drinkers though
0: no craft most craft beer tends to be ale
1: yeah it it does i i think uh, that uh lager actually fell towards the the middle of the top 10 around the 5 or 6 mark.
0: Yeah. But, you know, they're all really good drinks. So just because we're saying that these are, these are good doesn't mean that those thoughts are not colored by a personal preference. Yeah, well, and
1: we we're, we're literally telling you statistics here with which is the most popular. Yeah. Cuz there, there are some really nice lagers and some really nice everything.
0: Oh, sure. And just because it is the most popular doesn't mean the lagers or the stouts aren't going to be bloody fantastic.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, There are some really nice stouts out there. It's been a while since I've had... I don't think I've ever had a craft lager now that I think about it.
0: I haven't thought about it, so probably not either. Uh, uh, So, to finish out um my, I might give a little bit of thought towards what type of uh beer to drink in what type of time of year because I know yes. the summer ales and the tropical ales and the pale ales tend to be more summer drinks even up to your golden ale uh, as your flavors get more and more richer uh, like your amber ales and your dark ales they they tend to be a little bit too too much for the summer?
1: Yeah, certainly. I'd I'd put a dark ale and your stouts and your Imperial Stouts as more of a, a winter drink.
0: Oh for sure. The James Squire amber ale is a fantastic drink to have in winter because it still warms you up even after even after drinking a cool drink. Like it doesn't taste as bad at root getting towards room temperature. When you're sitting there with a jumper on and yeah, and and a beanie,
1: yeah, when when room temperature isn't that warm, yeah, then it's not so bad. Mm.
0: And then, of course, your stouts are a very English drink because English is can be a very cold country.
1: Yeah, so it's it's designed to be. Some of them are designed to be consumed at English room temperature. English,
0: yeah, for sure. So, last thing, Mickle. How many bottle caps out of ten would you rate the Swindler, which is the tropical pale ale by James Squire, um, uh, and what we're drinking today?
1: I I think I would uh, go oh, seven, seven and a half bottle caps for the Swindler. I mean, when it's fresh out of the fridge, icy cold, that that's the seven and a half. When it's warmed a little, I'm giving it the seven, mm. but it, it's still it maintains its flavour very well even after losing. Well gaining temperature, Again,
0: warming up a little. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, I ran out of uh, beer coolers because they all fell apart, and I just haven't gotten around to getting some more. But yeah, I'd I'd probably give this a eight and a half to nine for how how nice it is for as a thirst quencher and how easy it is to drink without uh, clouding your mouth with bubbles and. Um, too much, I don't know, mouthfeel.
1: Mm, well, I have to agree with that. It is very easy to drink.
0: Mm. And we've had about three each so far as of the end of the episode.
1: Yes. <laughs> but just... that, that is spread over th- about three hours. Three hours, yeah. With uh, with setup time. So we, we've just let you in on a, a little bit of uh, the background of what goes on here because there is a lot of planning and discussion and setup that occurs before we actually record these podcasts.
0: Mm, even though this one's actually a little longer than normal. We're going on 37 minutes now. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're beer lovers. We, yeah,
1: well, and we, we've given you some short ones, so we're making up for that now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, we we come together, we, uh, we discuss what we've researched, uh, and we add any last minute notes and, and then, yeah, we set up and record
1: and we record. Yeah. And, uh, and you get to enjoy it. And yeah, please, as always tell, tell your friends, share our Facebook page, share the podcast, follow us, follow us on iTunes, download us on iTunes.
0: You can pretty much find us everywhere. A good drop podcast, uh, or just a good drop, uh, and our email address is a good drop at gmail.com.
1: dot Yeah, we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you. No one's really emailed us yet. We're we're surprised because we we'd love ideas for things to talk about yeah, and things that we can learn more about ourselves. Let us
0: let us know of your favourite drinks. And uh, the, this is the last week for submissions for our uh, our good drop wine brewing survey. Or fermenting survey. So, if you if you got any last thoughts about what we should put in it, uh, check us out on Facebook, a good drop podcast, and that's it. Until next time, cheers. cheers.